Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, as well as digesting our new name, we'll be taking stock of the market at the halfway point of 2022. In particular, we'll be discussing the big questions now facing investors as the second half of the year gets underway. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Life comes at you fast, they say, and that's certainly been the case for investors in the first half of 2022. They began the year nervous, perhaps, but sitting on bumper gains made over the preceding two years and ready for what the new year would throw at them. One war, several interest rate rises and a cost of living crisis later, and the world certainly looks very different. What is the state of play at the halfway point of the year, and what are the big questions now facing investors? To help answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Um, But before we get into our discussion, Tom, a brief nod to our new name. The Money Talk podcast is no more. Long live the personal investor. That's our new name. It is simply a cosmetic change. Uh, We trailed it uh, briefly last week, but um, nothing else is changing in terms of what we cover and how we cover it. But it uh, is one of those things that's sometimes necessary to, to help the podcast get a bit more noticed and we hope reach an even wider audience. So um, give us feedback on the name if you wish. That said, Tom, welcome along. Um, we're looking at markets at the halfway point of 2022. So I guess it makes sense to recap on what they've done this year. Where are prices versus their level going into 2022? Uh, well, the short answer is they're a lot lower. Um, uh, it's been it's been a pretty brutal six months, um, and it's been pretty much across the board. I mean, there have been a couple of areas where uh, prices have have risen. Obviously, the oil price is about forty percent higher than it was at the beginning of the year, and there have been some increases in some agricultural commodities, but more or less anywhere else that you look, um, uh, it's in the red. Uh, the 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 benchmark, if you like, the S and P 500 index uh, in the US um, fell 20% in the first six months of the year. Uh, the Nasdaq, which of course is very um, uh, heavily exposed to the technology sector, which has performed badly, is down about 30% over that period. Um, and individual uh, investments have, have, have fallen a lot a lot further. Cryptocurrency down uh, 60%. Um, so commodities uh, as well, um, uh, copper, sometimes uh, we, we call it Dr. Copper. I think we talked about that that last week, down 15% on the period. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really tough uh, period for, for investors the first six months of the year. And, and just talking about the, the shape of that return over this year, um, obviously we could, we'll talk about various events and factors affecting markets this year, but there's been a couple of big significant legs down, hasn't there, between... War in Ukraine was certainly a big factor, but then I guess this sort of realization that we were that something very extreme was happening to prices, commodity and energy prices in particular. But possible silver lining is it possible to say that there has been resistance actually around this sort of bear mark territory, certainly for the U.S. market in the U.K. The FTSE 100 seems to have stabilized. It's it's not it's not fallen all that much year to date. Um, that's been the shape of returns this year. Yes, I mean you're right about that sort of you know sort of temporary flaw, if you like, um, at around the 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 twenty percent mark, which is the traditional uh, measure of a bear market. And I think w- w- what's happened is that 
you know, the, the, the penny dropped, as you say, um, uh, about uh, inflation. People realised that it was a significant problem. Uh, people realised that interest rates were going to have to rise significantly to counter uh, inflation. And then layered on top of that uh, was the, the war in Ukraine. So we've had this big reset in expectations. It's largely all been about uh, valuations. Uh, that the market has rethought what is a fair valuation for the market. And as we reach the halfway point, um, we're at a very interesting watershed moment because the second part of the of the equation that determines the level of the market is, of course, earnings. And we're about to move into earnings season. I think next week, actually, uh, is, is when... Uh, as usual, the banks kick off earnings season. So we're very close to having a sense of, of whether the current level of the market is justified by earnings or whether it needs to go a bit lower to, to reflect uh, um, a fall in profits as well as a fall in valuations. OK, OK. Well, I thought we'd have this conversation, Tom, through the lens of three big questions that now need answering, I guess, when it comes to the future directions of markets in the second half of 2022 and beyond. Um, And the first one, inevitably, I think, concerns inflation. I was going to ask you, Tom, whether inflation has peaked, but I think we can probably say it has not, certainly in the UK context. We know what's likely to happen over the next few months. So my question, I guess, is when will inflation peak? What will be the signs of that? And has there been any inkling that we could be close? Yes, I mean, you're right. I don't think inflation has peaked, certainly not here in the UK, because we've got, you know, a fair degree of visibility about uh, elements of the um, of the inflation basket. And we know that in the autumn we're going to get a further leg up in um, in energy prices as the as the as the price cap is raised again in October. So, uh, you know, the, the the talk is that inflation currently running at around uh, 9% is probably going to rise to maybe 11% uh, in the autumn. It, that feels to me like that could be the peak. And the re- and I think the reason is that um, other forces are, are uh, coming into play, which are going to drive inflation lower. There's a lot of talk about um, uh, you know whether we're moving towards uh, a, a recession, and uh, if we do, you know that is clearly deflationary, and so we will see. I think um, uh, inflation begin to come down from the autumn onwards. Um, there is talk in 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 the United States that we may already have seen um, peak inflation. They don't have the same energy. Uh, uh, issues that, that, that we have uh, here. And and you're beginning to see that actually in expectations about interest rates in the US. I mean, they, they you know, even just a week or so ago, the expectation was that interest rates might go as high as 4% uh, in in the US. You look at it now and the uh, and what's implied by the by the financial markets is that maybe inflation, uh, the interest rates will only reach three and a half percent. So that's quite a retreat in a relative short space of time. And I think that's a reflection of uh, an evolution in the thinking about inflation. Yeah, and let's just dwell on that uh, inflation and interest rate question um, for a moment because that, I mean, we've covered it so many times on the podcast, but it's worth recapping. Higher inflation leads to higher interest rate expectations to curb that inflation. That has had a, a sort of a, a very eroding effect on the share prices of particularly the leading companies in the US stock market because so much of their valuation was down to uh, their future earnings 
inflation erodes the value of those future earnings. Higher interest rates erodes the value of those future earnings. And so they've been hit really badly. That's why expectations for inflation are so important. Notwithstanding, and we should always refer to this as well, the impact on sort of household finances that people have got to make ends meet. But we're here to talk about markets and that's the effect on that. Yeah, and those are the two key impacts as far as an investor is concerned. One is what it actually does to the real economy. You know, if if individuals are hit by higher inflation, they have less money to spend. If companies are hit by higher input costs, they have less money to invest and they make lower profits. So there's, there's, that, there's that impact. But there's also this technical issue of valuations that, that, that uh, interest rates are used to, to create a value in today's money of profits that are, that are expected to be made in the future. And the higher that interest rates are, the lower today's value is. So that's why a falling, falling expectations about interest rates can be a positive for the market. And that's what we've seen just in the last few days. Um, as we've moved into the second half of the year, we've actually had a more um, optimistic looking uh, stock market. And largely that's a reflection of lower expectations about interest rates. Okay. Okay. Well, the next question, I suppose, is completely uh, interlinked. Um, and it's one we'd all like an answer to, I think. Can the, the, can the economy, the global economy, the UK economy, however you want to answer this, Tom, can it avoid recession? You've talked a little bit about it there. If we can't, what are the likely effects of that on markets? Yes, and I say, you know, we talk about the economy, but there are different economies. And I think depending on where you are in in the world, um, uh, it's a different story. I think um, I think there is still a hope that in that in the US, where the economy is fundamentally pretty strong, it's a very strong jobs market uh, there. Uh, that uh, the, the the problem really in America is an inflationary problem. It's not so much a growth problem. I think if you come this side of the uh, Atlantic, both here in the UK and also in continental Europe, I think there is more of a growth question. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just yesterday we had figures out of Germany, for example, showing that uh, the country uh, reported its first trade deficit since 1991, you know, and that's a reflection of um, you know rising energy costs uh, and also problems with with its exports to places like Russia and China. Um, and here in in the UK, we've clearly got a serious cost of living uh, crisis uh, going on. That's evident from you know all the the, the industrial unrest that we're seeing. Um, People are being squeezed. And so I think that the, 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 the likelihood of recession is much greater on this side of the pond than it is over there. And and what might that mean for markets? Because there can be a sort of counterintuitive effect going on, can't there? I, I was actually um, asked to contribute to something for the press in the past week, and it was about the, the rotation from um, growth to value. So that's the growth companies that have done very well, those are the companies with very reliable earnings that people expect to grow into the future, and a lot of their value is based on that, versus the value companies which have, in the recent period, tended to be cyclical, more economically cyclical, which means they do their growth when the economy's growing and it's less certain, but that's when they'll then they'll do the running um, for their earnings. And the, it, the, the, the sort of paradox as it occurred to me was that We've seen a partial rotation from growth to value, but and that's to do with the interest rate factors, the inflation factors that we've seen. But if 
we tip into recession, that might change things again. You've mentioned it, you know, central banks are going to be reluctant to raise rates when they know uh, they're going to be choking off growth in a recession. That's a very difficult thing for them to do. That will help growth companies, bizarrely enough. And and the recession itself could hurt cyclical value companies. So it, it feels very topsy-turvy and we might see yet again a recovery from some of those big tech names that haven't done so well. We might see cyclical companies like old companies begin to fall away. It, it can change a lot. Yes, I, I think it works at different levels. I think there's a sort of overall headline market level at which this silver lining of potentially lower interest rates has a positive impact and, a, and an offsetting impact on, uh, you know, the obviously uh, negative um, uh, uh, implications of uh, lower growth and, and potentially uh, recession. So uh, there is an offsetting um, uh, element between between interest rates and, and growth. But actually, at a lower level, if you like, in the sort of sector level, the the uh, the style level, if you like, I think that this rotation that we have seen towards more cyclical uh, value uh, companies may well reverse if we move into a more difficult environment. Because, you know, g- growth shares are typically in demand when growth is difficult to find and you know if investors are struggling to uh, find companies which can demonstrate uh, sustainable earnings growth then they're going to they're going to gravitate towards the companies which can demonstrate that and typically that has been uh, you know the the shares which have actually done badly in the in the in the recent past because of the issues that we've talking about with 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 interest rates so i think you're right that there there could be a rotation back um, it's actually an argument for 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 having a a well balanced and diversified portfolio because you know the ebbs and flows are very difficult to predict and you know no sooner have you have you followed it one way then it may be going the other way and it's very easy to get caught out by these swings um so you know having having a nice spread of investments across these different styles probably makes sense okay okay well the final question tom is uh i, I wanted to to capture what the future beyond this year might look like and i guess a lot of people are going to be asking themselves well will we ever get back to the world as it seemed before this year what does the new normal look like and what i mean by that is you, you know will stock markets get to those levels again all those valuations again will uh, expectations for rates and inflation get back to where they were or is something fundamentally shift shifted uh, that that means everything needs to be recalibrated I hesitate to say that because invariably the world rarely changes completely. Um, It's very easy to sort of extrapolate from from the current situation and to think, well, the world's never going to be the same again. And the the, the globalisation, which has, you know, benefited the world over the last 30 years is 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 ended Uh, the, the the era of low interest rates of low inflation is over. It may be, but but it also may not be as extreme as that. We may sort of muddle through. I think we, you know, we we probably have to accept that um, uh, that inflation will probably be a bit higher than it has been in the past. But that doesn't mean we're going back to the 1970s and double-digit inflation rates for for, for years and years. Uh, the world maybe will be a bit less globalized than it was uh, over the last 30 years. 
but it's not going to disappear. We're not going to go back to um, separate um, uh, separate economic spheres that have nothing to do with each other. That's just not going to happen. Um, interest rates are interest rates going to be significantly higher. I suspect not because for the simple reason that the world cannot afford much higher interest rates. Debt levels are so much higher uh, that I expect that that interest rates will go up a little bit, but they're not going to go up a lot. So I think the world in the future doesn't look um, significantly different from the world that we've experienced in the recent past, but in subtle ways it will be a bit different. Uh, Okay, and I'll just throw in one last question, which I didn't tell you I was going to ask you, which is about um, stock market levels this year. Why not? Um, Where do you think they will end the year? Do do you think this is going to be a net negative year for stock markets? Something pretty seismic would have to happen for them not to be, I guess. Mm. I think uh, we will have a much clearer idea about that in about a month's time. I think the next few weeks are going to be absolutely crucial uh, in this regard. And the reason I say that uh, is that we've got the earnings seasons coming up. There's going to be a lot of useful information in that earnings season about companies' expectations uh, for the immediate future. And also they're going to give us a clear indication of how they're coping with rising input costs, uh, slowing demand, uh, etc. The reason why it's, it's, uh, the level of earnings is, is so important is because if you look back through history at the bear markets that we've, w- that we've experienced, when a bear market is associated with an economic recession and an earnings uh, downturn, uh, the fall in the size of the bear market tends to be much more significant. So on average, you're looking at you know, maybe a 35% fall from, from top to bottom. When a bear market is not associated with a recession or an, uh, an earnings uh, decline, then the average is more like sort of 20%. And that's where we are now. So what the, what the, what the market has done is, is it, it's, it's factored in a non-recessionary bear market. So if we have a recession, I would say the market can go a bit lower. Um, if we don't have a recession, then maybe the market has done its job. That's why the next few weeks are so crucial. Okay, very good, Tom, very good. Well, that is all that we have time for now. Thanks an awful lot for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.